So we begin again and again. Sounds like good sex. It can be. Well, usually as if it's beginning again and again and again. And again. Like in your shirt says, I can't have good sex. <laughs> says, I can't. I have rehearsal. Just said, oh, I see is I can't. Oh, I didn't see the eye. It was like folded in. So I saw I can't have. <laughs> I can't have good sex. Yes, you can. <laughs> you are being punished. You will live eternally on earth, surrounded by the people you want to have sex with. And yet you can't have any. If you do, it shall be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful, baby. All right, I'm just going to share this with you because I wasn't sure. Be careful because we're going live on the Moped Outlaws site right now. All right. Um, Here we go. All right, I'm not going to share it. Oh, so quickly you became a scaredy cat. Well, it's because uh, I don't know if scaredy cat's the right word. All right. It just don't, it doesn't feel right for me to share this news. Publicly, I'll say this. Someone who you and I are close to passed away last night. Very so. Why don't you go ahead and text me in the chat room? Okay. Chat. And we can good. I'm sure this will be funny stuff if they pass away last night. Well, it's not really funny. I imagine not. But I, at this point, I haven't seen the name. What? Yeah. That's weird. Yeah, it was a sudden brain aneurysm. Massive brain aneurysm. Wow. I know. Well, we'll have to talk about this when we're not recording. In the meantime. (laughs) (laughs) Or publicly. Suffice it to say, I can do two things at once, which is be sad and curious about what happened and have this bitter sweet reminder of the value of life right and talk about what it's like to pursue life on a moped <laughs> crazily roaming oh, on mushrooms <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, i'm all for that i'm all for Engaging with life all the more because you never know when your dance t- cards up. Oh my God. <laughs> when the music's over, turn out the lights. Yeah. And just so those, those of you who know are watching us either tonight or on never uh, on Moped <laughs> Outlaws, the Facebook channel, eventually these are going to be live on YouTube and you won't see three weeks beforehand the show that's well, going to get posted. <laughs> Well, okay, so that's a good thought because right now the way we're doing it 
they are that's never going to happen unless we stop doing the Facebook live thing because they're always like part of the thing as you and I spoke about, because we'll have times in life where things happen. And so we wanted kind of a buffer. Well, it's just an opportunity to enjoy it twice. Like you either you see the live or you see it up on the moped outlaws, Facebook page. And yeah, so instead of donating $10, donate $20. Cause you're getting twice. And then the- a few weeks later, you'll get the posting of the show that we recorded. Yeah. Which we're recording now. Now in the future, we are your future. <laughs> I, I, I was cleaning the backyard, listening to us yesterday and laughing my butt off. That's good. It is fun. I mean, that, like I said to you, you know, if, if you and I are having fun, that's what's important. The rest can, as Sammy Hager said, burn in hell. It's so great because you and I have such divergent adolescent music taste that I always learn about a new song from you every week. And, and I have a whole range of musical experiences that I have yet to enjoy that I can enjoy through your, you know, enjoyment of them. Some maybe more than others. Yeah. It won't be often you hear me quoting helpless, helpless, helpless. (laughs) You know, one of the saddest film performances of the last waltz which is an amazing concert movie is that section where neil young coked out of his head is just destroying one of his own songs live on film in front of helpless helpless help. he, he was helpless that actually song that i like that he did on that last waltz well it's only one he did well no, there's others, aren't there? No, they're, the last waltz is mostly the band. Right, right. But, but Helpless is the only song Neil did, I is think. It, in the film. I'm sure he did another on, uh, that night. You know, that's interesting because on Spotify, <laughs> the album is like got a ton of songs. Where I'm used to the album that I had was just the songs that made it to the movie. But now on Spotify, if you look up the last waltz, it's like a four album set. Wow, so they must have released stuff from the vault. Right. That's cool. It's kind of cool. But I remember the weight being sung by the Staple Sinners. Am I and the last waltz? Yeah. There's I'm that. not sure. I can't be certain that that did or did not happen. Okay, because on the album, it's the band with no special guests. And. Well, Maybe. that would tend to be an indication. So you must have seen the staple singers do the weight another time. Yeah, that must be it. And I like their version better. So that's, I just, in that's, my mind, yeah, well, chalk them into everything. <laughs> Navis Staples is a far superior singer to most of the band. Fuck uh, yeah. Although Levon Helm is really good or was. Is it Mavis that Dylan asked to marry him or was it? Um, Probably not because she was married to Pops. But I don't know this story, oh, right? so I can't. I can't say. All right? Who's the Mavis Staples and the other? Um, oh. I know it's her sister, but I don't know their name. No, no, it may not be another Staples Center. It doesn't matter. Um, oh, 
Mark has checked out to look at Google, but he doesn't want you to see him looking at Google. So we look at him meditate between three candles. The Holy Trinity. <laughs> I'm fire, fire. <laughs> it's funny because I did this and I went, I have TV for my bunghole. Oh, no. <laughs> Kathy didn't know what I meant. Oh, that's very <laughs> sad to me. So I had to explain it to her, which is dubious at best. Yeah, Ooh. that's. I think what you got to do is you got to sit down or and watch an or episode. Julio? Yeah, you got to watch an episode. And if she can get past the opening music, then maybe she'll watch the whole thing. Maybe. Fire! Fire! <laughs> One of the worst. That was like the lowest of the low at MTV, as far as I can tell. God, no, I thought it was the high of the high. The low of the low is when they started doing reality TV. <laughs> hmm. When Beavis and Butthead were on, videos were still the prominent substance of MTV. That's true. Like music videos. That is true. You can't argue with that. <laughs> Cher did a duet with Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> Oh, how low we've sunk. Uh, I am still infatuated with Cher. Is she animatronic yet? Who cares? <laughs> as long as she's alive and willing. There's another great. Oh, no, that's uh, Little Feet. Oh, well, I think. Be yeah. willing to be moving. So if you give me weed. White sand, wine. Give me a sign, then I'll be willing. People did not tune in to hear us singing. Not like that, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, brother, so how be you? Pretty good. Um, Life's pretty good. I'm about to harvest the corn in my garden. That's that's feeling good. And uh, I've been working hard at the, the coaching thing and making progress. <clears throat> right on. It's clear I have a lot to offer the world beyond my comedy skills. That's awesome. <laughs> Since no one's paying us for our comedy, <laughs> you better start making money somehow. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I have band practice. I have rehearsal. If I hear you calling, but I can't come home right now. Me and the boys will be playing all night long. That's like such an against type song. Like, was there, did they ever try to follow up that hit with another one like that? Not like that. No. Yeah, they knew, like, okay, we got away with one. Don't. Well, I think, though, like, honestly, <laughs> no, I think that actually they did. I think they did try to follow up, but it was. It was I would have been surprised if Gene Simmons hadn't tried to follow up that kind of success sometime. Right, right. You can blame him. I would have if I had a successful music. Yeah, album. and well, then, that, let's try you know, what's that. hella funny is that was their smash hit. I don't think they had a bigger hit than that. And the other one that did really well was New York Groove, which was Ace Frehley. You know, when they put out the four albums that were solo albums, remember that? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. So Ace Frehley, New York Groove, you don't, do you? You fucking sarcastic dick. You were sitting there listening to your deja vu bullshit. And there's, what was that fucking song about, you know, a home and I just finish all the story about this, okay? Just to all light the fire while you go out and play with our neighbor. Da, 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 in the valley of LA. Um, oh, dear. <laughs> New York Groove. We're He's helpless really. again. So the two guys that were like a thorn in the side of Paul and Gene also created their two biggest smash hits. Ace Freely and the other guy? Peter Chris. Peter yeah. Chris. So they wrote the two mellow smash hits. Well, New York Groove was kind of like a, it had a disco beat, but it was, it's got a really good groove. It's good. Back in the New York Groove. It's just kind of like got this, yeah. Mm. But um, yeah, so... So there was that kiss. That's so funny. While I was going around, just like <laughs> you were like laid back, yeah, marijuana. Listening, yeah, I didn't to have the stomach going. for any of that. <clears throat> ACDC, I'm on a highway to hell. Yep, those were not bands that I saw. I think I saw ACDC five times before Bond kicked it. Definitely three. <laughs> Wow. Wow. He was definitively better. Well, I think he was a better music writer than the guy they ended up with. Like all, there were so many great songs with Bond and, and I heard that back in black was like halfway recorded in the can when he passed and then I forget the other guy's name. He came in and re-recorded the vocals for all those songs. Oh, they went over it. What do you mean when they went over it? They, they, he re-recorded the vocals. They went over his tracks. Yeah, because he was dead, and the album was half done. Like well, some, they didn't leave the <laughs> the rest. No, no, they were like moving on. We got a different singer. It's this guy. Little Jimmy from down the street. So wouldn't it be kind of fun to go back and listen to those tracks that Bon Scott did? Yeah, it'd be hella fun. Over? I have never heard of those ever being out in the world. Yeah, now there's a vault release I think people would buy. Fuck yeah, they would. Back in black. Here in did bon they just Scott. like wipe them? Like in those days, you might not have had enough tape. Right. Like, well, I'll just record all over them. Right. Or maybe they were so soaked in alcohol that they were just like, we're going to leave Bond Scott's memory intact and not ever let anyone hear this because it's just like a horrific, horrific way. Like that would be not not the way we want him to be remembered. Yeah. That just reminded me of Jim Morrison. I hear towards the end, he was really falling (laughs) off. Yeah. It would have been interesting to get, you know, um, Bon Scott and Bonzo together. <laughs> like they're totally drunk and, and Bono <laughs> and Bono. Bono Bonzo, Bonzo is um, the guy from Led Zeppelin. Uh, oh yeah, the drummer from Led Zeppelin. Yeah. 
Yeah. Who What's his name? Alcoholic. Terry Gillum. No way. No, it wasn't <laughs> Terry Gillum. Uh, John Bonham. Oh. Moby Dick. John Bonham. That's it. Yeah. Did you listen to Led Zeppelin? I heard a few things. Yeah. I heard a few things. <laughs> Mike and I were so high once in high school and we were behind the stage and he tied one of those silly cassette players that had the handle that came up, you know, like that were rectangle and he had presents, the album presents on a cassette tape and he was swinging it over my head. I was laying down on the stage and it was going tied it to a rope and it was going over my head. Like, yeah. Going, oh. I was just like, ah. that's not, that's not, we uh, called it stereo. No, that's what we were saying. It's stereo. <laughs> well, I'd say there were two really, really primal Led Zeppelin experiences that I had. Um, three, really. Uh, the first was that my very first girlfriend and I um, would get together at her house after school. And she had this incredible poster of Jimmy Page and Robert Plant up on her wall in her bedroom. And so I definitely you had to wear it over your face. <laughs> no. no. But um, I definitely remember sitting there listening to Led Zeppelin while she and I got down in her room. Um, and then <clears throat> how far later that All the way summer, down? I had to, down to the nitty gritty. All right. Very nice. Very nice. So, um, later that year, I ended up moving to Hawaii for a while. And while I was in Hawaii, I was in stage band. And one of the things that we, I had to learn in stage band was stairway to heaven. What's stage band? It was like the band for, it was, they oh, had the, the marching band and then they had stage band and stage band had electric guitars and drums. In Hawaii? Yeah. You you lived in Hawaii for a while? Yeah, I lived in Hawaii for like six months. <clears throat> How old were you? Um, 14. Why'd you leave? I missed my girlfriend who was I was getting down with. Okay. Yeah. I'm in shock. Well, you left Hawaii, paradise. hot sex with my girlfriend. I, it's, yeah. I bet you there was some hot sex waiting in Hawaii. You just didn't wait long enough. I don't know. Remember how old I was? 14. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so you were in a stage band. And you had to learn Stairway to Heaven. Learn Stairway to Heaven. So that was like the second layer. And then when I moved back a couple of years later, <clears throat> my same girlfriend and I, we stayed together a while. She's wow, an did. awesome person. I still love her. She's amazing. That's we awesome. won't name her since I've told tales now, but nonetheless. Yeah. Do, um, are you still in touch with her at all? Yep. Uh, uh, yep. She's a friend. Yep. Is that how it ended? Just friends. Oh, it ended horribly, but let's not talk about that. Let's talk about the Led Zeppelin thing. Okay. We went on this Unitarian Church retreat to, um, where is it? Uh, so Unitarian it's Church. Up. <laughs> it's this place up in um, on the coast in, in Northern sex? California that's like, oh, Sea Ranch. 
So they did a youth retreat up there where I think maybe 17 of us stayed in this house with some chaperones on the, the Unitarian teenage retreat. We were a bunch of hellions, right? Like such hellions. And we somehow convinced them that it was cool for us to sleep out on the back porch under the stars. And there were probably eight or nine of us out there. And my girlfriend and I took acid. (laughs) And we were listening to Led Zeppelin till wee hours of the night out there. And it's like, oh, it was amazing. So she was a Zeppelin fan. Yes. And me by proxy. Right, right. The Poontain will do that. The Poontain proxy. Oh, good music, too. I had fun. Yeah, yeah. I understand. But, they, you know, they weren't as good Mark. as Steve Miller as far as I was Oh, concerned. my God. I just threw up into the back of my throat. <laughs> hey, I'm honest. Oh, my God. I'm People so need sorry. to know who they're dealing with. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and never mind. <laughs> no, that came later. That's another Seattle band. <laughs> Yeah, that was a good one, too. Yeah. They were almost as good as Led Zeppelin. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) That's a good. Yeah, no comparison. No, but it is interesting. Like Dave Grohl is such a powerhouse, such a power force in the rock entertainment world, you know, and just... um. And it's interesting, like he was the drummer for Nevada. I heard someone once say, like, could you imagine like how it was like he's an incredible songwriter and guitar player and you know, front man. And and there he was playing drums for at the time, one of the world's most incredible songwriters, guitar players, front man for one of the strongest yeah. rock bands ever. Absolutely. And he, you know, without Dave Grohl right now, um, as far as I can tell, rock and roll would be really not able to step up at the level it does. I can't really think of anybody else who has the integrity and the punch and the songwriting and then the lack of pretense, which I think is an essential element. The lack of pretense, the way he just like shows up like he would if he was on this show with us. Right. You know? Right. He's just pretty much there all the time. Yeah. 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 Really grounded. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that was my experience with Led Zeppelin. And then, then, you know, I wasn't so interested later. So Unity Church allowed their teens to. No, they didn't allow. Have sex and take acid. We snuck, snuck it past them. That's good. There was a reason why the senior year of high school, my girlfriend's mom really, really wanted her to go away to Africa for the summer to get her <laughs> away from me. Is that part of it ending badly? Like it wasn't you two so much. It was the parents involved. Uh, no, not at all. The yeah. The thing that happened, which I think is pretty reasonable for people, you know, who've been together through that whole high school to senior year period And at this point, it was the late 70s. So, you know, ditto jeans and feathered hair and, you know, heavy metal. Puka shells. Puka shells, right? (laughs) I bought puka shells back from Hawaii. It's true. Um, 
um, you know, there's a kind of natural growth that happens, especially for, for young girls or young women, girls who are, you know, they're a little bit more mature than, than boys. And, um, yeah, it didn't just didn't work out. It kind of fizzled largely because she rightly so had her sights set on college and where she was going to go next. And, um, she had some opportunities that I didn't have because of my focus and, you know, where my interests were, you know, I was playing a guitar in a band by then we had our own studio. We were doing shows. Um, You're going to be the next Crosby sales national. No, we were more bluesy and rocky than that. But, uh, you know, I wasn't thinking the trap, you know, the being, becoming a doctor, going to college and becoming a doctor, you know, she was brilliant in her own way. She, well, here's what happened. She got back from Africa and we had had a rule about like, well, anything can happen while we're gone. Right. We've been together a long time. We're still young. Like, but let's, let's be like, still be together. But if something happens, we'll just be honest with each other about it. So she had an experience with someone while she was in Africa and I had an experience while I was home and that, that didn't go over too well. We didn't feel really great about that, but we were also starting to drift apart a little bit. Right. And, um, you know, what it really comes down to is I was the worst. I was the combination of insecure and, um, Um, not narcissistic, but really self-involved. Like I had a, it was a weird combination, right? I, I was very headstrong and thought the world of myself. And at the same time, I was fearful of losing her. And so that made being in relationship with me quite a bit uncomfortable. (laughs) And then you add to that, that like, okay, she's planning to go to school somewhere else. So we were quote, taking a break, which ended up break being break broken up. And, um, we tried to connect, but it didn't work. The chemistry just wasn't there anymore. And she started hanging out, um, with the Cal Berkeley crew team that summer. And that was it. Like there was no way I could compete with 22 year old crew guys. And cause I was a long haired hippie freak, you know, it wasn't my deal. She ended up going to the Royal Academy in, in London and studying acting All right. and she to achieve a whole lot more, uh, beyond that. Her acting career didn't really pan out the way she'd hoped, but she did a lot and she still does a lot. Um, and when we've spoken over the last couple of years, there's been real warmth and, and acknowledgement of, what a great way to start life together. Cause you know, despite the things that went down, we were always really straightforward with each other and really loving and celebrated life and had a lot of fun. And we never lied to each other. Like even though things happened outside of the relationship, it was never like this hidden thing where I lied and I kept it from her and yeah, she lied yeah. and kept it from me. That's good. That is healthy. I think um, one of the things that, bothers me with 
my ex is that I don't believe I can communicate with her. Like, I don't think she's interested. So why bother that kind of, that's a very um, special thing. You know what? I think it's what I attempt to do in life. It's just be open, just be honest 24 seven. You know, there's healing. You talk about healing a lot and healing is a choice on some level too, right? Like some people become very attached to their story about how they've been wronged. Right. Yeah. And that doesn't leave a lot of room for forgiveness and healing. And some people were really wronged and it doesn't leave a lot of (laughs) room for forgiveness and healing. I think like I just read this article that was passed to me. Um, Okay, I didn't. I browsed this article that was fucking 12 pages. Who's got time to read it? 12 pages is so long. Exactly, man. I need fucking a 30 second meme. <laughs> um, but in essence, it was talking about what's going on with the vaccinated and unvaccinated and how it's really polarizing in our society. And it's becoming like the simplicity of the sneeches from Dr. Seuss, you know, those was, and I'm that have stars on the bellies and then those right. Right. And what was beautiful about it is it concludes, I'm going to paraphrase, but, and keep in mind, I did just browse it. (laughs) Um, All of us can validate being angry being upset, being hurt, accusing, attacking, all valid. It can be validated. doesn't matter whose side you're on or whatever. The greatness of being a human being is the step beyond that, where we move past that to empathy and forgiveness and peace and love and joy. So... It was a really powerful statement that I received in that, a reminder, like, yeah, that's it. Like, who cares? Like, so this person passed away last night. I have an ex in my life that I learned a lot from the ex part. (laughs) You know, there's my mom and dad in my life. Like there's so many things that, um, like you just said, I could have a story about, but how much grander to move past that and dance. Yeah. Agreed. And the sooner you can get to freedom, the better, right? right. That's right. why forgiveness is so important. It's not for the person you're forgiving. It's for you. Well, I think it's for everyone. Well, yeah, but it's, 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 Primarily, you know, if you're holding on to your resentment, then you're not free. And so even though there's maybe good reason not to forgive someone for what happened, the ultimate is forgive them anyway, because then you're free. Right. Despite whatever justifications for not forgiving them may exist, you know, it's but that's a tall order, you know. So it sounds like there was a lot of freedom in your relationship with this first love, this high school love. Yeah, pretty much set the tone for 
every relationship after that. Like once I'd had a real deep, intimate, connected experience, I wouldn't settle for anything less, which meant for some long dry spells. What was that woman's name that got me spat in the face that night? (laughs) Wow. I don't remember. Oh, wow. Oh, wait, I know. I know who it is. Yeah. Um, you don't I want know to her say- name and her nickname. Okay, so was she of that place, that deep? Like, was that the potential there? <laughs> Did you just throw up into the back of your throat? <laughs> um, oh, you're going to spit in my face again? <laughs> Virtually. <laughs> Your screen. Kathy walks in. Be careful! Your you're bringing something up. <laughs> no. Um, the answer to your question is no. Potentially, right? But there was this my inability to separate the idol that I had created, the image of her that I had created in my mind, versus who she really was actually prevented me from having a lot of the types of things that I really desired to have with her. Okay. So this is a great question. You just spark something for me, if you don't mind. No. Okay. Because part of the relationship I want to be in is where we each are holding the imagined potential of the other with the goal of in that holding one rises to that. It helps me rise to my best self by my partner seeing that in me and holding that and supporting you can be that. Okay. Is there a question in there? So, because the way you said the idol of what you had. However, there was the possibility of her receiving that adult. Like there's another side to that coin of adultery, 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 adultery. (laughs) There's another side to adultery. It's called having a lot of fucking fun. (laughs) Idolatry. Idolatry. Thank you. Yeah. Fucking, in this a, case, it's one. not apropos. Like, I get what you're saying. Like, it's 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 very cool to hold space for this aspirational potential and growth that can happen. As long as you don't become fixated on it and it becomes a limiting belief about where or a should, right? Well, the should, yeah, really right. But in the case that, uh, that I'm describing with this particular woman, it was that I had concocted a a construct of her that wasn't about elevating or making room for her to become more. It was just plain out, not seeing who she really was. I'm biting my tongue. <laughs> Don't like you should let, let fly, man. I didn't really know her. Anything I said about her was just me talking shit. <laughs> That's and it would stopped today. you before. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, what no, I can say is that I really put out the dog with this person. 
I went all no, in. You were the dog with that person. Thank you. <laughs> and she had you healing and rolling over like you were. She didn't really want bitch. that. She would have been much happier if I had been like just had an ounce more of my you know real grounded masculine energy than being all up in my head about you know the construct that I created of her. So that's the great question, though. Like it. One of my favorite stories is Don Quixote. And here you have this madman, really. But he, you know, meets the whore and calls her Dulcimea. And she's this, you know, golden light. She's the all. And and then it's on his deathbed where she's like, no, I, I can be Dulcimea. Then he dies. That's the story I want to live. <laughs> I think you're tilting at windmills. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. <laughs> uh, that actually isn't the story. Like I definitely know I don't want to be a martyr. That's not a great story. Well, it, like all infatuations or would be romances, even though they don't turn out the way we hope, they become a great place for us to get a reflection of what, how we show up and, and how to have a better, you know, approach next time around. That's the thing. Like there is a resonance I have with these romantic stories that end <clears throat> like sad endings. And there's something that resonates deeply in me with that story. But I, like I question that resonance like if i really is that something that would be good for me to heal to let go of to, because that's not really how i want to live i don't want to live a sad ending. well there's so many layers to the bonds that we create mm -hmm. and so on one level being able to cleanly sever the pain bonds is very helpful, right? But some people can't do that without, you know, severing the entire thing because they just reform right away. They just reform the attachments. And, <clears throat> you know, some people are able to cut the pieces away that don't serve the possibility of healing and still maintain the opportunity for a friendship. But then the other person isn't able to, to get there because they're, internalized trauma from the situation continues to be painful for them. So there's no escape from the, the trauma for them. Right. Like in one sense, I believe my ex is making the right choice and just no connection at all because I see the potential that I can't be a friend. That's not who, that's not what's alive in me. In that Let, let's just be really clear. She's blowing it fucking big time by not taking you back. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> no, no. I think she has wisely sailed her boat to feminine shores. <laughs> to feminine whores <laughs> with oars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> For those of you listening, Mark just gave the visual of Cunnilingus. Oh, I wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> Why <laughs> not? Uh, 
Wow, this certainly uh, went sideways. It's from better high school love to. Yeah, well, that's what happens, right? Life happens. Yeah, life happens, and it's right? beautiful. It really is beautiful. I gotta say, and it's never too late. Exactly, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Oh yeah. God! I just thought of something dark. <laughs> I knew you would. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> oh, see, we're missing out again. Okay. It's no, 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 don't. Don't don't make me push stop. Uh, uh, but I'll tell you this. For those of you who can't see, Greg's face is really red. So it must yeah, be something coloring. super juicy. That's coloring. <laughs> that's yeah. the monitor. <laughs> He's been playing with crayons again. Hey, did I ever... Uh, <clears throat> Way back in the um, early days, I uh, jumped on the folk punk bandwagon back in like the late seventies, early eighties. Mm. I made up this little punk folk song. You want to hear it? Yeah. Okay, it goes like this: I'm a punk rocker. I'm a punk rocker, and I don't know what to do. Fuck you. That's it. Okay, then. <laughs> Greg, keep that day job at McDonald's, okay? <laughs> no, I, I purposefully chose to say it that way because I thought it would be more humorous than what I really feel, which is, you know, I always think that there's still potential for you in terms of your singing and your lyricism. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I made up a uh, lesbian folk song. Should I get my guitar? Yeah. I think you should. All right. Does it have a melody? Yeah. You get that it's impossible for you to make up a lesbian folk song, right? No, I don't get that at all. Because you're not a lesbian. I'm not a folk song either. And yet I've made up a lesbian folk song. So does this sound like a punk song or is it just a folk song? No, it's just a folk song. Lesbian folk song. Oh, wait, it goes like, no, that's not how it goes. Okay. It's it. You're in the wrong key. <laughs> okay. I'm laughing because I have no idea about keys. So let me just try this. Is it this note? No, it goes like this. Those bad men. Are acting like men again. Wouldn't we all feel better if we just held hands and cry with me? I want you to cry with me. Cry, 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 cry. Beautiful man. <laughs> All right, those are the two songs I've made up my whole life. So far. That's not really true. There's others. But they're not as brief for those. <laughs> the others are narcissistic. They just go on and on and on and on. So that's the whole thing with narcissism I wonder about. Like, was Mike Oldfield narcissistic when he wrote Tubular Bells? 
Why would he be? Exactly. Why would he be? Was he, he, he played every instrument on a double album, not a double album on both sides, like tubular, when he was 16 or 17. Well, was he looking at a mirror? I don't know the answer to that. I wasn't there when he recorded. But do you know that Branson, what's his name? The Virgin guy? Yes. He kind of like became who he is because he was in charge of a studio and Mike Oldfield recorded this album, Tubular Bells, and shopped it around and no one would pick it up. So Branson was like, well, I'll make a record label and we'll put this album out. And it fucking did huge. And that was the beginning. Well, it did because of the movie. No, it was doing really well in England before that movie. Like, like I'm pretty sure the director chose it because he had heard of it in England. It was doing really well. Okay. Like it well, launched Virgin Records. My experience was that it didn't exist until the movie. Right. That was my experience, too. But that's not the truth. If you look up how that record did, it did great. Now, of course, the movie launched it for stoners like you and I. <laughs> did you ever see that movie when it came out in like 76, 77? Uh, I think I got like halfway through it and then i i just couldn't deal i could not deal i saw it with mike healy and this other friend whose name i forget we took acid and went to the 70 millimeter screen in san francisco and um yeah that was an experience and did you have like nightmares forever after that yeah, for like the rest of my life for the next 30 years. <laughs> like it pretty, yeah, I was pretty well freaked out for decades after that. Yeah, I, there was a guy that uh, came to our school every day and acted out parts of it. Oh, nice. They're sharing computer sound. There it is. This isn't the... This is the live version. Okay, I was going to say, like, what is this? Did you look up the history of this? No, but I will. The live version isn't quite as uh, spooky as the... Well, it's just getting started. Studio version. He's got a lot more effects going on. Well, it's a double album, right? How do we know? We're just used to that one, like, section. No, I had the album, and I listened to the whole thing. On the other side, he gets into these freaky voices, like... That's the Exorcist, like... No, but obviously it was recorded before the Exorcist. Like, it gets... Yeah, there's too much percussion going on here. Is this Mike performing it live? He fucked up his own song. No, we can't do it. There you go. Amy, why you do this, Amy? Why you do this to me, Oh, no, stop. Stop. Your mother's in here with us. I will end it. Like, don't (laughs) do any more of that. (laughs) Come on, Mark. Feel your fear. 
It's not that. It's disgusting. Oh, is it? It's disgusting? Yes. Oh, so a mother a calling out I never person? watched the movie. Amy, why you do this to me, Amy? Amy. That was his mom calling out to him. It was a her. No, see, the priest. His name was Damien. Oh, I see. Damien, and his mom died, and he had all this guilt about his mom's passing. But the devil worked on that, and he, in his mom's voice. Damien, why you do this to me? Damien, why you do this? And then there was that white face that flashed on the screen. That was so freaky, man. I'm just so glad I have no memory of that. Oh, my God. And then there's the director's cut where it showed that weird deity statue thing and Reagan falling up at it with this fog and smoke and chaos. And Yeah, man. I read that um, part of what made this movie so deeply psychologically disturbing is... The director, part of the research, he found out that the sound of bees buzzing psychologically was disturbing to people, and he worked that into the soundtrack. Yeah, just like underneath, you know. Yeah. I think God Star Wars showed up and saved us all. Get it though. Get it. <laughs> As Sammy said, see the rise, he's seen the fall. He's sure to see us all burn in hell. Oh, we can't keep playing music. We're the jukebox warriors. <laughs> hey, if we never intend to. It's not like we show up with an intention, but when, when it happens, we're, you know, we just follow the thread. Why not? Okay. I'm for that. One day we won't do it. And people will be mad. They'll go, what happened to all the... Or, thank God you guys stopped playing all that bullshit music. <laughs> <laughs> you guys suck. Why don't you do this instead? <laughs> Why don't you yeah. do your own fucking podcast, bitch? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what? See, just a few minutes of tubular bells and memories of, of the exorcist and the true you starts to come out. And here's the real Greg. Peace, love, and pass the baloney, motherfucker. <laughs> so the kid who used to come to the fifth grade was named Bobby. Bobby. Bobby would act out scenes from the movie every wow. day at wow. recess. He must have really been big on the crucifix. He's like a sixth, fifth and sixth grader. Was like he big he, on the crucifix scene? Absolutely. Yeah, that's the big scene everyone. And, and the idea, like, who lets their five or sixth grade go <laughs> see this movie? <laughs> right now, I'm going to share something with you. And um, when I was probably around 11 or 12, <laughs> My mom worked at a hospital that was a Catholic hospital. And uh, one of the nurses there was a gentleman who had gone through theological school, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And he told me that he was at the hospital where one of the cases, real cases, was that um, 
I forget the author's name, the guy who wrote the book, like research to write his book. And he said that at one time they were like doing this um, exorcism and the kid reached up, touched the Bible and it just shredded into like confetti. And this was part of this gentleman's experience for real. And you believed him. And I did. And I kind of still do because what I learned is that there was real research done by the author. What was the author's name? I can only remember the. I have no idea. Uh, Anyway. It does, you know, like I can feel that human part of me that just gets stimulated by this thought of profound evil, like the thought of um, stuck. It's like drama. It's extreme drama. It's your adrenal glands. Right, right. So that's what I mean. It's like, you know, the same thing that why people watch reality TV or snort cocaine or snort cocaine or do all sorts of devious. Listen to rock and roll. It's the devil's work. Rock and roll ain't noise pollution. That is one of the worst ACDC songs ever created. And another poor ACDC song is for those about to rock. We salute you. Fire. What the fuck was that? What the fuck? Bon Scott that? had nothing to do with that shit. No, he didn't. Riff Raff! Don't even carry a gun. Now that's some fucking ACDC. Yeah. Ain't trying to hurt no one, just having fun. I remember being like uh, 15, and there was this kid who lived about a couple blocks down the street from me who was a skater and a guitar player. And um, he like was so into them and he, he's like, Mark, I want to, I just want you to come over and listen to this record. And he's like talking up on sky. He's like, listen to this man. He's just like playing. And he's like, this is such incredible shit. But listen to his voice. And I was just like, the fuck is this? <laughs> this is I not my, <laughs> was that the album? I don't even remember, but you know, it was, the perspective I have on it now was how limited a view I had at the time. Right. But I was just following like my natural instincts. It was like, he was totally turned on by it. And I liked him. And I was like, well, okay, great. I want to, I want to find out what it is. Like he's into it. I want to know what he's experiencing and, and get a feel for it. Cause I care about him and he is a cool good dude. And I just could, I would just couldn't get into it. It just wasn't for me, you know, and I still don't own an ACDC record and recording stopped. <laughs> 